0: Welcome to Childhood Conversations with Kate and Carrie. Welcome back. Carrie and I are so glad that you're joining us. We're going to try something new today. We're on the road. And so you guys are going to get a little bit of a a, a car cast instead <laughs> of a podcast or something. So if you hear some bumpy noises, it's probably telling me that I didn't drive straight. Uh, you may see a lot less of my face and a lot more of the side of me. For those of you who watch the videos, instead of listening to it on
1: podcasts, Um, I'm sure that um, the person who does our video editing is going to be cracking up at this. Anyway, um, so today's podcast episode is actually a topic suggested to us by one of the directors um, that we have supported over the years. And the topic was, what do you do when people are trying to poach your staff? Hers was specifically about teachers, but I think it also for owners. um is what if somebody's pi- trying to poach your directors or for directors it could be your curriculum coordinator or something else anyway some other center or parent is trying to
0: poach your staff um okay so can I start yeah you okay. can start <laughs> all right so because traffic's light i wanted to start cuz you just never know anyway So one of the things I wanna make sure that we talk about when we think about coaching or somebody trying to get your staff, I think there's two perspectives here. One, that means you've done a really, really good job training your staff because somebody else sees value in them. Two, if they're valuable to somebody else, you need to make sure that you're treating them right. Yep, absolutely. So Carrie, why don't you talk to us a little bit about how do you make your staff see that you're the place they need to be. How, how can you make them feel included, wanted, to make sure that they have no desire to leave? They feel true loyalty to you. I mean, we can we can go there. I want to do a story, though. Huh? I want to do a story. All right, let's do a so, story.
1: So, um, I had a staff member who um, was hired by one of my clients they had twins and a third child. So they had three kids under the age of five, actually three kids under the age of three. Um, And they had decided that paying for childcare for those three kids was too expensive. And so they were going to hire one of my staff um, and provide care in the house. And then those parents were kind of entrepreneurial and they were like, we could set this up as a registered family home which they can't because the registered family home provider, it needs to be their home and they need to be the provider. So you can't have a registered family home and be the owner and never be there or rarely be there during operating hours. That's not how registered family home works. Um, So they had some issues with making the grand scheme work, right, because they thought they were going to be able to completely offset their costs by having two other families bringing kids. And so they were only going to have to basically pay for childcare for one person. Um, that did not work. <laughs> um, but they did hire that staff person out from under me, um, and withdrew their three kids and it lasted for three months.
0: Okay. So I have a question. If you are a child care center that has a non-compete clause, which is not with something I generally see in our industry, but we do have clauses like that related to babysitting staff and dating parents and things like that. How would something like that have worked or would that be an option in this situation? I mean, yes, I could have
1: theoretically, you know, filed in small claims court or something like that. But actually, because it was three kids, it would have been above the small claims court amount because... Um, that was more than $2,000 so I would have had to go to court court um, and I just kind of went you know bless him let him go and her best friend continued to work for me so after three months the person who had been my teacher got really tired of 10-hour days with no breaks Um, and decided that they weren't going to do that anymore. And so they quit working for that family and they went to go work at another center. They eventually asked if they could come back to work at my center. So it took about two years for them to swallow their pride enough to come back to work for me um, because I treated my employees well. And they were like, "Mm, the family didn't treat me as well. And this other center didn't treat me as well. Um, And then the families the family asked to re-enroll after those three months, which is when it was, I was really glad I had my insult fee, which is what I call the re-enrollment fee. So if somebody withdrew from my program and then came back,
0: they had to pay twice the enrollment fee. Um, so, okay. So real quick, for those of you who aren't sure, um, and it maybe could be a whole episode, but I figured I'll add it here. Um, this insult fee became something that Carrie instituted um, I believe originally around holidays when yep. parents would try to unenroll like the middle of December and then re enroll like the third week of January after Christmas. Yep. And um She also had that problem, if I remember, with a lot of the summer programming. So, well, and also I had summer vacation. I had a lot of um,
1: families that were expats. So, they lived in a, they were from another country. And so they would want to go, you know, for a wedding or whatever to the other country, which is fine. But I had a two year waiting list. So, if you, if I was not going to get your money for three months because you were going home for a wedding, that means I'm not getting any money. And so, I I came up with different ways to try to address that.
0: Well, anyway, so but that takes us back. So I think on, we have an episode where we talked about whether or not your tuition is annual tuition or monthly yeah. tuition. So um, maybe we'll try to remember and go look for that, and maybe put it in the
1: in the transcript or in the in the show notes. We'll see. We're still not really good at that. Um, okay, so back to. the the earlier question how can you help your staff feel like this is the best place for them to be your center is the best place for them to be Um, one is treat your employees well listen to them invite them into your planning process into your decision-making process Um, be flexible as flexible as you can be about how curriculum is done As long as it matches your educational philosophy, I don't care how they create the curriculum. I will buy curriculum for them if they need me to, if they wanna create their own, I'm okay with that. I just want, I want it to be in line with my educational philosophy and giving them recognition in the way that they like to be recognized. We talk about this probably I don't know if we talk about it a whole lot on the podcast, but in the course we talk about the five love languages, which yes, I know there's been some scientific stuff and they're like, that's not exactly it, but it works for conversation and it works from a managing your staff point of view, figuring out how does your staff person, how does the toddler teacher feel appreciated? How does the toddler assistant feel appreciated? How does your assistant director feel appreciated? You can't do the same thing for all of your staff. You can't even do the same thing for both of us. If it's acts of service, that'll work for both of us. (laughs) But very few people know how to do acts of service. And Kate's second one is words of affirmation. She was a gold star child. And my second one is gifts. So
0: gifts is my third one. I will always (laughs) take gifts. Um, especially if you're giving them to me, um, is part of an act of service. Okay, so, anyway, <laughs> but if you know which ones of your staff want
1: physical touch, which ones of your staff want to hear you say good things about them without you looking directly in their face. So, they like to
0: overhear you saying good things about them. Okay, so this is, we're gonna, I'm gonna put a pin on this so that we can come back and do this as a whole episode because I'm sure I'm not the only person going, ooh, how do I f- do physical touch with my staff nowadays, right? So we will come back and cover love languages okay? Um, as a director to staff. So really one of the things you really need to think about related to helping your staff and kind of what Carrie was trying to get to is it's more than just the money, right? It's the, how have, you know, how do you appreciate them? How do you feel them? Do you give them flexibility when they need it? Um, and again,
1: that ownership, of their classroom, that they have some flexibility to make their classroom what works for them and for the kids in that classroom right now. Um, Another thing, and this is like my secret, secret weapon. So guys, this is like, keep this on the down low. Don't tell everybody. Is have your staff go and do observations at other centers in town as part of their training hours. So, send them to a center that has ratios that are closer to licensing's ratios than yours and say i want you to look at five i want you to come back with five ways that they did transitions and three ways that they used um finger plays or songs to to get children's attention so there's certain things that happen more in centers that have large groups then happen in centers with small groups if you're a program that has four babies with two teachers you're not having to do a whole lot of singing to get kids attention but if you're in a program that has 10 children with two teachers 10 infants with two teachers you're doing a lot of that so it's a great way for them to learn those skills because they're going to see it from people who need to do that um but also they will see the difference in how not just centers that are running closer to ratio, but centers with different educational philosophies that don't match yours. Um, So if, you know, whatever your educational philosophy is, there's other centers nearby that have different
0: ones. Okay, so real quick, I'm just gonna go with two that are pretty basic, just because sometimes we say this and we know that some of the people listening may or may not kind of get the difference. And so if you are a program that is all about the importance of play and outdoor play versus being a program that's more what I would call academically driven so you're much more about Uh, letter of the month letter of the month days of the week numbers being able to write in preschool and those kinds of things so you can have combinations but just so that you know that's what we're talking about it doesn't mean that it's not that If you're a Montessori program, that isn't also a different educational philosophy, but I wanted to make sure that if you weren't and you're just looking at programs, you know, in your community that are not marketed as something like a Montessori Academy or a Montessori program, that you know that there are still different educational philosophy between program A and program B, and it's not just because one might be run out of a church.
1: Yeah, so by them going to see other centers, they will see how those staff are treated. They will naturally ask questions like, so what do you do if you're, if you're sick? And so they'll find out how much better your center does at being accommodating to them. So I don't give them that as an assignment for, for those observation hours to find out, you know, how, how do they handle staff differently, but they will naturally ask those questions. So I find sending the negative Nancy at my center out to observe at another program does wonders for both their attitude and the attitude of the people that they were gossiping with about how horrible I am as a director. (laughs)
0: Uh, um. All right, so the last part of this that I want to make sure that we touch on is when we have staff who want to go to another program and it is all about the money because there are going to be people who fall in that. So two things that are going to help you. A, be really clear on what your budget is and be really clear on how staff in your program get raises, how they come up with their base pay. You know, do you have a formula? Are there Reasons that certain credentials would warrant a pay raise versus others. So, in other words- And again, not just you knowing it, they need to know. You need to be very
1: clear with your staff that they can get more money. They just
0: have to do A, B, and C. Right. Because we've met teachers who are, you know, have a master's in education who feel like they should be getting paid more than teachers who don't have a master's in education But if their master's in education isn't in early childhood and it isn't going to help you from an accreditation standpoint, should they really get paid more the way your program structures pay? Again, your program doesn't have to structure pay like other people, but there are going to be people who are going to be easily poached because somebody somewhere may not have a really clear um, how they give pay raises, what are starting pay uh, for the staff at their center. Yeah, and, and also being very
1: proactive with reminding staff about all the benefits that you offer, like the days that you, they get paid to not be there. <laughs> um, I think that's one that I think in the story I told earlier was a huge deal she was used to working a seven hour day and now she was working a 10 hour day with no break and she had no substitute. So (laughs) um, in the specific situation that was emailed to us, the person who was trying to poach was a parent who was trying to set up a program. Um, And in that case, yes, I would go to small claims if they do take your person, if it was in your policies, (laughs) that your staff can't work for the parents outside. If you had an open babysitting clause, I think you're gonna have a really hard time um, getting any
0: sort of relief there from a, a legal perspective. Okay, so one last thing on that, just because it's always something to think about. If you have staff or families who want to set up registered family homes, this is where you get to also be the good guy. Offer to be that help for them. Absolutely. Because we can never have enough childcare in any community, anywhere in the country. We're always going to be short and if you've got a staff person who they themselves just had an infant and maybe your program doesn't have a a spot for an infant and so all of a sudden you're, you're going to lose that teacher anyway. So help that teacher start their own registered family home, be there for them, be their mentor, You know, maybe even work something out where you're a lending library. You've probably got more than enough equipment in your program to give them some equipment to get started. And then you can refer clients to them who need
1: or want more interaction. Um, Maybe parents who, in an ideal world, they would be a stay-at-home parent or they would have a one-on-one caregiving situation for their child. Well, a one on six caregiving situation is going to be much better than your one on, you know, whatever, 12 to 150. Um, And so, a registered family home would be a better fit for some families because of that. And then they can send kids to you because usually a registered family, most registered family homes have a limited age range that they take care of. Or maybe they care for the whole age range, but This semester, they're weighted really heavily towards two year olds. And so that four year old kid in the registered family home is just not getting what they need. And so they'll refer the four year old to you. Um, So, yes, sometimes, and I, again, being very clear and having conversations with your staff about what do you want, where do you want your life to be in five years? And if they say, I'd like to have my own program help them to start a registered family home, which is really a very good way to put your foot in to the concept of having your own child care center. So I think that was a great point, Kate, a hundred percent. So those are some of our thoughts. Um, if it's a parent who's trying to poach the kids, make sure you have an insult clause for when the parents want to come back. Um, and if you hire the staff back later on, Make sure you go ahead and have them sign uh, a non-compete agreement before you take them back into your center because you're going to, you invest so much money in your staff. Um, It's not fair for you to invest hundreds or thousands of dollars in a staff person for them to then take that without notice and go to another program or to set up their own program outside. So those are, those are our thoughts. Um, so I hope this was helpful to you um, and continue to send in ideas. I really appreciate Carolina doing this and um, I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Child Care Conversations with Kate and Carrie. Want to learn more? Check out our website at texasdirector.org. And if you've learned anything today, leave us a comment below and share the show.